On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to become a top performing technician. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I want to run a short clip from our Seizing the Summer series. This is a 16-week program that launches June 1st and goes on every Monday for 16 weeks. So, the purpose of the company is not the same as the vision. The vision is, hey, this is, this is what we're trying to create. The purpose is why. It's back to Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. Why are we doing this? Well, we're dedicated to contractor success. That's what we're about. So we're shooting video, we're working hard, we're teaching, we're coaching, we're answering questions, uh, trying to build tools that are useful, that help you. So because we're dedicated to that success. So the purpose is it gives us great pride when we hear from people and they go, you know, I did that and it worked, and I appreciate the fact that you made that public. Or I tried this and it didn't work, and here's why, and then we learn as well. So the, the purpose is the why. Next, we have the core values, and I think it's important you recognize that you need your behavior patterns defined. It's uh, me saying honesty, as we've talked about in previous videos, doesn't mean the same thing to person A as it does to person B. Likelihood is uh, their family, uh, where they grew up, uh, their belief systems. They bring their own belief systems, and those belief systems intersect somewhere with my belief systems. And neither one of those is right or wrong. So what you need is a company belief system. So we all buy in to the company belief system. If we say, this is how we're going to do it as a company, then we all have to walk the walk. Gary can't do something different, and an employee can't be doing something different. But it's not my belief system and it's not the employee's belief system, it's a company belief system, and that's what the behaviors need to be. They need to be defined. So when you say integrity, you need to define what that means within your organization. Uh, when you say things like accountability, you need to define what that means. If you, if you say things like what we do, which is uh, you know, uh, operational uh, excellence is one of our core values. Well, what does that mean? So does that mean that you can put it in and it works, but it doesn't look good? Or does it mean that you're going to put it in and it works and it looks fantastic? You know, so and that's not right or wrong. That's something for you to decide what is the company belief system. And then you teach, train, process, drive towards those particular ideas. Now, if you're a premium member, you already have access to this, so make sure you tune in. If you're not a premium member, go to egaa.org summer and learn all about it. Now, there is a lot that encompasses what makes up a great technician. Communication skills, likability, and the ability to ask for the order are all things that can make you valuable to your homeowners and, of course, your company. EGIA founding faculty member Mr. Gary Alex was recently in our studio and shot some awesome content on this subject and we're excited to play it for you today. In this video, Gary will talk about the proper mindset, goal setting, investing in yourself, and having an unrelenting focus. Let's join Gary now and dive into the topic. Hi, welcome back to EGIA Contract University. I'm Gary Ellix, and today's topic is gonna be how to become a top performer, personal achievement. This is a technician communication and selling discussion we're going to be specifically talking about things that you can do to become a top performer in your organization and or if you're looking to develop yourself as a technician, 
how do you look at how do I become the top performing technician and or selling technician inside of my organization as it stands? So with that in mind, I'm going to take you over to the whiteboard. We're going to go through some concepts, and we'll come back into the lab, and we'll debrief. Let's go to the whiteboard. All right, so there's a couple of different things when it relates to top-performing individuals. So we're not just talking about service technicians right now. We're talking about sales professionals. We're talking about company owners. We're talking about athletes. We're talking about pretty much anybody that reaches the pinnacle of their profession. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be number one in your profession. It just means you have to be able to hit a standard of excellence that's established based on your personal expectations. So whatever that is, maybe I want to put my kid through college education. Maybe I would like to have enough liquidity to buy a jet. Maybe I want to become president of the United States. It doesn't really matter what it is in terms of the specific goal pattern. It does matter that you understand what it takes to escalate and to climb that mountaintop to be able to reach those particular positions of excellence. So let's start with the very first question. There's a great book by Simon Sinek, uh, Simon Sinek and it's called Start With Why. We always wanna start with the question of why. Why are we trying to achieve that objective? Why? Why not becomes the question as in, well, why not me? Why not me becoming the top performing service technician? So if I want to sell $2 million as a service technician and I happen to be a selling tech, why not sell $2 million? If I'm selling $1 million, what does it take for me to get from $1 million to $2 million? Uh, so there's service technicians and selling technicians that sell upwards of $4 million now. Why not? And the answer would be, well, the only thing that's really limiting you is typically your mindset. So when the question of why comes to you, you have to ask yourself the question, well, why am I trying to aspire to do that? Am I doing it for the monetary gain? Is it to be able to reach a particular objective? What am I doing with that monetary gain? So is that for my family? Do I have specific goals that I want to use that liquidity and that, that reward system for? Uh, you know, what is it? Maybe I want my first house. Maybe I want the opportunity to start my own business at some point. There isn't a wrong answer to the question of why, but there is the issue of mindset. Now, if you go to the main site, uh, Wally uh, Weldon Long has produced uh, an incredible series on mindset. And if you haven't seen you know, Wally speak, um, he goes through you know, a presentation on mindset and what sort of sets up the basic mindset for you to become successful or you to change the paradigm of where you are today to where you would like to go. So to break that down into its simplest terms, um, there's another book out there called Think and Grow Rich, written by Napoleon Hill back in the 1930s. And the research is pretty clear. He just went through this whole generation of successful people, and his job was to figure out what made them different than the everyday common man. What was the difference between Andrew Carnegie, you know, who became this Scottish immigrant who took over and essentially became one of the mega uh, stalwarts in business at the time, the Vanderbilts, uh, the Rockefellers. I mean, he had access to all of those folks. And his job was to figure out, well, what's the difference between the guy who's sleeping on the park bench who is homeless and the guy who became you know, a, a titan in terms of the industry? And so what really the differentiating factor in Think and Grow Rich, if you haven't read the material, is that it's really a mindset issue. It really comes down to the idea that people believed 
that they could actually achieve something. So the, the concept that was written in that book was your thinking patterns are what define what you become. You're the sum total of your thoughts up to this point. So if you think that you deserve to be successful, then the likelihood is, is you'll start you know, seeing things differently and you'll start scanning the universe and information will come to you that will help you become more successful. So if you're sitting down watching this video, it's because you either want to watch this video or somebody in your organization wants to train you to help you get better. So what the mind can conceive in terms of why, goal setting, aspirations, dreams, what do I want out of life, what do I want out of my family, what do I want out of my workout routine, what do I want out of my compensation reward system, what are you conceiving is the question. What are you thinking about? That allows you to make an assessment. Do I believe I can achieve that? The belief system is a very powerful set of value structures. Your belief system is what guides you through life, your value structure. And then finally, you know, the idea that if you can conceive it and you convince yourself and you begin to believe that you actually can, that aspiration can become a reality, you will, in fact, find a way to achieve it. And that really gets us right down to the brass tacks of what separates the average performer from the top performer. And so there's some ideas that I'm going to present to you that make differences. Um, clearly, anybody can climb the mountain. Clearly, anybody can achieve the results that they want. Their only limiting factor is really your belief system, you know, ultimately your mindset. So if you don't think that you can do it, you're right. If you think you can do it, you're right. So it's really a question of what it is that you're trying to establish. What goals are you going to set for yourself? And that really brings you right down to this discussion. So what are your goals? If you want to be a top performer in terms of the service organization, and you want to sell $2 million and you're at $1 million, your goal has to be, well, $2 million. Maybe you even want to set a stretch goal. So we're big in our organizations on the word stretch goals. Stretch goal says that if my goal is $2 million, I'm going to figure out, to, I'm going to look at 2.3 million. If I can think 2.3 million, then 2 million will be some place that I will pass by. So the original goal being 2 million, the target then of 2.3 million as stretch, gives me a mindset that says I'm going to look past my typical goal of 2 million to stretch target. So I love stretch targets. Stretch targets are things that I'm always interested in. I'm pretty sure that at one point in time we've talked about this video where I had a bet with a bunch of my buddies that I was going to run a mile. The best mile that I ever ran when I was athletic during my college days was 517, which for a short guy with stubby legs, that's moving along pretty good. Now, what I was saying was in this workout programs, Orange Theory Fitness, we run at one degree incline on the treadmill, and I was running right around six minutes uh, on a daily training basis You know, with the workouts that you do on, as far as their, their planned workout. And so the, the thing was, well, I think I can run a five-minute and 35-second mile. And of course, all my buddies are like, there's no way. First of all, you're too old. Secondly, you know, you're going to get injured. You know, third, you, you're, your best is six minutes right now. So you know, that 25-second improvement is a big stretch. So they were all the negative guys. And I'm like, well, let's just bet a dollar for every single minute you know, or every single second that I beat it by. I'll pay you. You pay me. And so we had a little group thing, and so they got crushed, of course, because 25 seconds really isn't that much. And so all my fitness you know, gurus, the trainers, they got involved, and it was pretty interesting stuff. So the question of 
I never believed in my mind that I was ever going to not hit that goal. So for me, it was like I could probably run better than 517. It's just training. And so the question is, you know, doing the training well, and that's just establishing a stretch target. So I established my stretch target at if you run at 12 miles per hour, okay, you're running a mile faster than 535. So 535 is an average of about 11 miles per hour. So I trained at 12, 13, 14, and 15 miles per hour. And so basically running at 11 for you know, five minutes and 27 seconds is what I ended up producing. Um, they got crushed. So the issue of doing it was never a question in my mind because I know I've already done it. I already ran 517. Now, admittedly, that was probably 35, almost 40 years ago. But it doesn't matter. I've kept myself in pretty decent physical condition. So the, the question of, you know, can I be an astronaut? Yeah, that's probably not an aspiration. Might be a stretch target. But could I be? Maybe. But I don't really believe that. So that's going to be a problem for me in terms of being a top performer in that space. But as a service technician, can you sell more equipment? Can you sell more accessories? Can you sell more service agreements? Can you be better at customer relationships? Can you show up on time? Can you engage? and learn about client experience? Can you be able to learn about equipment high efficiency? Can you learn about BRF? Can you learn about different things? And the answer is, of course you can. Those are areas that are within your mindset and your competency. And people are already doing it. So because people are already doing it, that's a model of success that we should be able to look at and say, absolutely, I can conceive it. I believe I can do it. I can achieve it. So. Do you think that? Well, that's up to you. That's where Think and Grow Rich really takes you as a book is, hey, you've got to understand that you absolutely can, in fact, do that. Talent is important, but success is based on dedication, desire to change, discipline, sacrifice. So that brings us to then what, after I set the stretch target, I want to sell $2.3 million next year as a service technician, as a selling tech. Well, what is the work and what are the metrics? So what I need you to do is reverse engineer the metrics. I need you to understand what does 2.3 million look like? Well, 2.3 million and an average ticket of say $10,000 is 230 transactions. That's basically one a day. If you looked at five days a week times 50 weeks, two weeks of vacation, that's 250 selling days. So if I sell one piece of equipment each day, that's 250 transactions if the average ticket was $10,000. Again, I'm just making these numbers up arbitrarily. That's $2.5 million in sales revenue just for the technician. That wouldn't include any accessories. And it's certainly possible that you could sell more than one in a day. We've got selling technicians that one guy sold five of them last Friday. So that's five transactions. So he sold $50,000 worth of equipment, in our example, in one day. So he more than made up for his whole week or what we would consider days that weren't necessarily good lead days, good opportunity days. But that's an example of establishing a metric and reversing backwards from the goal, from the stretch target of $2.3 million. Your real goal was $2 million. Your stretch target was $2.3 million. What we're doing is we're saying, well, if ten grand is the deal, I need to sell 230 of these in a given year at an average ticket in order to do that. And if I average five a day, obviously I can sell a lot more than that. And that's how you get people that are selling in the $4 million range. Now, clearly, the company is giving opportunities to those individuals 
that are more interesting opportunities, the repair versus replace conversation is already in place. In other words, it's an older piece of equipment. So we dispatch our top technicians that are our top selling technicians to our best opportunities. Again, Michael Jordan gets the ball at the end of the game because he's just better at the work. So you want to be that guy or that girl in that environment that ultimately has the best understanding of why, has the great mindset, which creates this great attitude, and you have resolve that you're going to achieve that objective. You've set yourself some targets, some stretch targets. Don't think as an owner or a service manager of a business, I'm not excited to put you in a position of prosperity and success. When you bring to me the ideas that you think you can achieve it, you have a great attitude, you've got a great mindset, I'm going to try to hand you the ball. I'm going to try to give you opportunities to be prosperous. So we love those types of individuals because that says to us they're interested in the success pattern. They're interested in what we want. They're interested in what the customer wants. But they're also very focused on their ability to complete the work. So defining the work, what do I need to do? I need to get better at my sales technique. I need to get better at my questioning technique. I need to get better at my social styles. I need to become more likable. I need to develop patterns of success that give me the best opportunity to be successful. If you're going to run a five minute and 35 second mile and you're at six, I told you I changed my training to run 12 miles per hour, 13 miles per hour for the full time. So you were running sprints. So I was pushing my body farther and faster than I had before in order to improve the technique and the results to be able to get down to an 11 mile per hour mile for basically five minutes and 27 seconds. So defining the work means understanding what your measurements are and reversing that. The best talent, the best technicians, the most successful people have an understanding of what it is that they want out of the outcome. They start with the end in mind and they reverse engineer that. Stephen Covey, the other book that, so we're in the third book on the recommendations right now, which is you know, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Begin with the end in mind, reverse engineer it. Number four on this list, or really number five on this list, is sacrifice. I can't emphasize enough to you that it may not happen right away. So you might have to push through a plateau of work here in order to defer the idea of success. And other people might be looking at you and saying, well, why are you putting that extra effort in? Why are you staying late? Why are you watching videos? Why are you reading books? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because I don't really see, you know, these are your critics. And so critics are everywhere. And you have to have the resolve in your mindset that you're not listening to the critic. You're listening to the idea of what it is that you were trying to accomplish. Sacrifice is required. You didn't see me when I was in graduate school in 1987, when I was on the L train, going down on Saturdays and Sundays, walking into the library, spending all the time with my nose in books, reading, learning, digesting, deferred gratification. I was poor. I had a house, a dog, a beanbag. I could, you know, I was working for Lennox at the time. I would leave for work at 6 in the morning, you know, get down there, 6 p.m., finish. You know, the whole process was built on the idea that I had something else in mind. And what I had in mind was not what was happening at that moment in time. It was the work requirement in order to push through, to get through deferred gratification to today, 
you know, I can go out and buy a company and people say, well, yeah, but you have the money to do that. Well, you're right, but I was poor back then. So where were you back then? And the answer was, you were watching TV, you were going to movies, you were screwing off, you were doing things that were fun activities, and no one's saying that's wrong, but what we were saying is, is that while you were doing that, I was in studying. I was learning the technique that was going to take me to a place that I had as an aspiration that was different. So the question of why. What did I want? I wanted time and money freedom. I wanted you know, a place down on Grand Cayman. I wanted a McLaren. I wanted a jet. I wanted a family. I wanted things that were part of a goal setting process that were different than what other people were willing to sacrifice. So I sacrificed an awful lot in order to defer that gratification at that moment. Could have been doing other things. Instead, I was doing the things that were going to help set me up for the gratification later. And that's called chopping wood and investing in yourself. So I was investing in myself. I was investing in my career. I was investing in my family. I was investing in my kids. I was investing in the future. And so what I wanted was I didn't want to grow up poor like I did. I wanted something different than that. So that mindset, that ability to conceive and believe and achieve was grounded in the idea that I wasn't satisfied. I had this whole idea that Wally talks about that, you know, I was sitting in, you know, 78 degree temperature and I wanted it to be 65 degree temperature. So the ambient temperature 72 is that homeostasis. Well, guess what? I wasn't happy being poor. I didn't like the idea, you know, of not having food and essentially, you know, working on a farm and doing all those things. So my ideas were different. So my belief system got shaped because of that. As a technician, if you're a peak performer and you're looking at improving your life, you're in control of that. What you have to do is you have to say, well, why not me? What does it take? What is my mindset? What kind of resolve do I have to not quit? What do I do to set targets and goals? How do I reverse engineer the work metrics? What am I willing to sacrifice to get it? It's not free. You're going to have to invest in yourself. You're going to have to put time and energy, role plays, practice, reading, materials, videos. You know, failure, learning from failure is part of the experience. So everything that you do isn't going to be a success. And so we always say that, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. That's your ability to debrief and understand what it is that went wrong and how you can improve that. How do I do it better the next time? Role play is a good example of that in a safe room where we role play. Doesn't matter if you crash and burn inside of that role play. That's the idea. You learn from that. You debrief. When you get out into the real world, hopefully you have technique. You've chopped enough wood. You've invested in yourself. You get better at that work. So the last part of this discussion then is don't settle. So if you're working for a company and they have a good reward system, and most of you that are working at EGIA are working for owners that already understand the idea that they want you to be successful, and they are happy to pay you for that. I want my guys to be prosperous. The more prosperous they are, the more alignment there is with our customer satisfaction, and we're obviously making money as a business if we're doing it right. So don't settle. You have to believe in yourself, but don't settle for the fact that failure is an option. It is not. You are having to have this, what we call the Stockdale paradox. So I'm going to give you another book, fourth book in this video already. Good to Great, Jim Collins. There's a series of discussions in there. 
Admiral Stockdale, he used to actually ran for vice president with, uh, with Ross Perot when Ross Perot was running president uh, way back when. Stockdale was kind of a crazy dude, but when he was in the military, he created what was called the Stockdale Principle. So he was in prison camp, and so he was imprisoned, and so his overriding thought process was he was always of the belief system that he was going to get out, that he would survive, and he would not let anything impact his belief system whatsoever. He held on to the hope and the theory that no matter what happened, that he was going to get out and he was going to survive and prosper. And he did. So what he's saying is you cannot give up. You have to maintain that level of mental toughness, that mental acuity, that ability to believe in yourself, to say that I might not be successful right now, but I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to debrief. And I'm going to keep pushing until I become successful. I'm going to establish that goal. And when I have that goal, I'm going to relentlessly pursue it. Unrelenting focus, which allows the Stockdale paradox to play out in life, which basically says that eventually, because you are unrelenting in your focus and you have the ability to understand how to chop wood, you've invested in yourself, you believe it, eventually that sacrifice, deferred gratification, will pay off in your ability to do the work better and you will get where you want to go and you will achieve that goal and that's because you believed it and you started with the principle of why. So there is a lot to unpack inside of this discussion. But here's what I'll tell you I've learned in life, is that most people, they let other people control their mindset. They let other people tell them what they can and can't do. They let other people influence their dialogue with themselves. Their self-talk is negative. Their self-affirmations are negative. They don't learn how to control what they think about. So if you're a technician and you're working for me, the question is not can you, of course you can. The question is, what does it take in order to change where you are today? That state, if you're at 78 degrees, what does it take to get you down to 65 degrees? How do we change you from where you are today to what you want to become? How do we create a personal achievement system? How do we create a, a person that understands how to affect their performance differently? And so the question becomes, why would you want to do that? And the answer is, well, there should be reward systems, right? That could be more improvement in terms of your compensation. That could be that you want to become the service manager. Maybe you want to become an executive. Maybe you want to own your own company. Maybe you want time away from the business. There's lots of reasons why people do things. But the main issue is that you need to learn to control what you think about. You need to understand what achievement looks like. And you need to, in principle, put together these types of ideas for yourself. And you need to reinforce that. That's one of the reasons why we have a personal achievement plan for each individual. They can look at this material. They can understand it. And there is nothing that gets in the way of their success pattern. The Stockdale principle says that no matter what, you will focus on that and you will achieve that. Let's go back in studio. All right, so if we take a look at this slide, this is just a recap. What I want from you is I want you to have great mindset. I want you to control what you think about. I don't want to let anybody influence what you think about. I want you to create your personal achievement plan, and I want you to become a performer. That Whatever performance you want, I want you to define that. So you need to set some goals. You need to put together the idea of focus. Every single day for 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, just review what it is your goals are. 
We use the personal achievement plan to do that, but you need to understand that if you don't review that, it won't reinforce itself. So the power of positive thinking, the positive affirmations that you're giving yourself, and then the effort that you need to put in. It's not free. Listen, nobody did the work for me. I did the work. I went to the libraries. I sacrificed for multiple years in order to be able to achieve the learning that was required to be able to get that master's degree in business and finance. I learned all that. I didn't know any of it, but I learned it. So I put the work in. I chopped the wood. And so that was relentless. Uh, there were a lot of people that said, hey, you need to come and play softball. You need to come down to Lincoln Park Beach and play volleyball with us on Saturday. We're going down to party. We're going to the music festival. Uh, but I had a paper due you know, on Wednesday. And the only time I had to do the paper since I was working full time at Lenox was you know, the weekend. So the question is, do I want to go do that? Or do I want to actually finish my work? So I figured that eventually I could go out and party and do some other things, and that would always be available. But I needed to finish the work at hand in order to be able to defer the gratification for later. So I'm not saying work all your life. I'm saying set goals and define and reverse engineer it and put the chopping wood principle in play until you achieve that objective. You clearly need to celebrate your success. Last night, I opened a $1,600 bottle of whiskey with one of my good friends, Wally Long, and we toasted each other's to our personal success and our friendship. And we did that with a bottle of whiskey that you, it's hard to attain. Well, how does that happen? Well, it didn't happen when you were poor. It happened after you achieved some level of goal setting and success. So we were laughing about the idea that where he came from, which is you know the prison, and uh, where I came from, which is poverty, you know. Two unlikely guys sitting down you know, in a place sharing a, a, a toast saying, yeah, you know what? There's more to come. We have other aspirations. We have other goals. There's more to it. You, as a service technician, need to understand that that relentless nature needs to be wired in. That doesn't mean you're arrogant. doesn't mean you have to tell people about it. It just means that internally you know there's a fire there and that you have that and yet you have your goals and you're willing to accept the idea that you're probably going to have to do some things differently. And that, that really gets down to the continuous improvement. You're going to have to put time and effort and energy in yourself. If you don't and you're not willing to do that, why should I invest in you? Why is it my responsibility to invest in you? What I need to see from you is a person that wants to invest in themselves, and then I'm willing to invest in you as well. And that takes you to the next level. As usual, awesome content from Mr. Gary right there. Now, if you're interested in learning more about this topic, I'd encourage you to sign up for our 30-day free trial by clicking Join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process, and you need the whole thing to make it all work. Now, we have a lot more content from Gary on technician communication and selling, such as the proper mindset and attitude for technicians, fixing the customer before fixing the problem, the perfect service call process, presenting options to customers, presenting service agreements, and about 20 other topics. So sign up today for a trial and try it out for yourself absolutely free. And if you're a member already, well, you better start logging in and watching all these courses from the master, my friend, Mr. Gary Ellis. Folks, that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to dive into a two-part series about how to sell the value of a maintenance agreement to your client. Until then, bye-bye for now.